The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. About Chad. Oh, wow! Rundage drops him with the counter right. I've been working really, really, really hard, man. I people say I'm a grappler or a wrestler, man. I'm just a winner. Cody Brundage. Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Please tell me that's on video. I've never been happier. I'm made for a fucking podcast. Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Uh, Matt and I today are going to be joined by Cody Brundage and also a buddy of mine who I have not talked to in a while, Tom Arnold, uh, making his first appearance. Uh, I think Cody is coming in relatively shortly, so um, we will get we will get. Started with Cody. Uh, he's fighting uh, Hadolfo Vieira on uh, Saturday night. That's a great card and a great fight. Um, you want to fight? I'm looking forward to on that one too. Uh, Delima against Cortez Acosta, uh, Waldo Cortez Acosta. I'm really looking forward to that. I love those big, uh, those big heavyweights, um, and, I, and I really enjoy watching uh, Marcos Rogerio Delima fight. You love those big burly men. I do. They're fun to watch, um, and, I, and I like a good heavyweight. You know, second fight up, middle of the card. Uh, they are the second fight. Yeah, Song Yadong against Ricky Simone is the main event. And that is uh, this Saturday. Main card starts at 7 o'clock, 4.30, ESPN2, ESPN Plus on the prelims. Cody is in the waiting room. So let's uh, let's oh. let's bring Cody right on. I like let's a do that, man. person who's prompt. Very nice. Let's do that, man. I'm so excited. Cody, how are you? What's up, guys? Thanks for hey, having buddy. me. How you doing? Nice to meet you, man. It's your first time on here. Yeah, I know. I feel like I'm. I'm finally making it, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, that's just the op- most people feel like this is the end of their career. So we're happy that you have a. <laughs> hey, I heard you're a slight underdog with this fight, but you've always been the underdog, from what I'm hearing. Yeah, every fight in the UFC, I've been an underdog. So it's just a good. It's good. It's good. I feel like uh, I just made my friends some money. If they right. were to bet, I don't think they will. But if they were to bet. <laughs> now, does it bother rich. you? Does it bother you when you're the underdog or do you not care? Uh, I don't really care because I feel like the people that are making the odds, they don't know what I'm doing. They don't know right. what my opponent's doing, right? It's just kind of like, uh, especially in MMA, it's not like football. Like football, the better team's going to win nine out of ten times. In MMA, like maybe the better guy wins 60% of the time. So I don't feel like... You know, I feel like you're kind of just uh, 
your 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 guesses you're just guessing it's not really like you have a great idea of who's going to win so it doesn't bother me too much very hard to pick fights i mean because there's so many ways for guys uh to win and lose i mean it's just submissions there's the occasional body blow the, the occasional uh leg strikes that end a fight that's very rare but i happen to like it or of course just getting knocked out or outpointed there's a lot of ways to lose a fight and a lot of things you don't see coming so i do typically pretty poorly at picking fights I also like being an underdog because I feel like the bigger underdog you are, if you go and do something cool, you have a better chance to get a bonus. So I don't ah. mind being Dude, shit, man. I made my whole life about be being an underdog. Listen, you're fighting Rodolfo uh, Vera, and, uh, you know, people look at him and they might be like, fuck, man, I can't get taken down. It's jujitsu. Dude, come on, man. People have been trying to pin you since you're a kid. You've been wrestling for a long time. So yeah. you're looking at this like, dude, I'm not jujitsu. I'm not. You know what happens when you punch a black belt in his face? He becomes a fucking brown belt. <laughs> fucking elbow him again. He becomes a purple belt. That's what you're thinking, aren't you? Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely thinking like it's going to be on my terms. I'll dictate where the fight takes place, and I'm not afraid. Like I'm not going to be afraid to take him to the ground either. You know, I, I feel like I've wrestled. Like you said, I've wrestled my whole life. I'm a black belt in wrestling, so I'm like. Uh, you know, it, it is what it is. I, I have confidence and I feel like as long as I dictate and I'm intelligent with the way I do it, that, you know, that's a, that's a route to victory for me as well. So yeah, I saw a stat the other day. It was like, Hadolfo Biro has a hundred percent takedown defense. I'm like, that's because everybody's a pussy and won't take him down. I'll take his ass down. I don't care. Right. And you're interesting too. your, your family. Cause you were raised, uh, I think your, your mom was a biathlete I read and your, your dad's special forces. Um, yeah. what is a biathlete? What you do, obviously there's a third one you don't do. Which one doesn't a biathlete do? So the biathlete is a uh, cross country skiing and then shooting. Oh, wow. Okay. That's different. It, shooting as in uh, a ski shooting or a uh, rifle. It's a uh, target shooting. And then like based off how you shoot, like if you miss the target, you have to do extra laps. So if you're a really good shot and a slower skier, like my mom wasn't the fastest skier, but she was a really good shot. So she would save herself time on the on the course with her shooting and then beat maybe some of the faster skiers. Wait, I'm confused here. I'm confused. Yeah. No. We're combining skiing and shooting? Where are yeah. you from, Goaty? What am I? My, so my mom's from Vermont. I'm from South Carolina. Long Island. Yeah, my mom's from Vermont. My dad's from Buffalo. So I got two Yankee parents. They moved down to South Carolina. Uh, and then that's where I was born. So I didn't do any of the skiing. I didn't do any of the hockey or anything that they grew up doing. But, uh, you know, they, they, they found their niche in there, I guess. Why they moved to South or North Carolina? Well, my dad got stationed at Fort Bragg. He was with the 82nd Airborne. Uh, and then when he got out, which was like right before I was born, he got out and, uh, went to medical school in South Carolina, became a physical therapist. So that's kind of where they ended up. Uh, and then I was just, you know, I didn't get any say in the matter. That's just where I was. <laughs> Jimmy, just to, I just want to clear this up for myself. Sure. So you're skiing with a <laughs> rifle on your back. Yeah. Right? A 22 rifle on your back. You're skiing, you go shoot your targets and then continue to ski. Who the fuck threw this up? Is I mean... Were they high? Who's going up? Yo, man, you know what would be fun when we're skiing? Let's get a fucking rifle and start shooting shit. <laughs> Jimmy, it sounds a little nutty. Yeah. Yeah, it so sounds crazy to me, too. That's why you won't catch me doing it. Yeah. I, it's great. So, wait, when you're, when you're uh, 82nd Airborne, is that Army Rangers? No, he, he wasn't a, a Ranger. Uh, he was 82nd Airborne. He's in the Pathfinders, which is like uh, different special forces organizations. So, uh 
but yeah, similar. I mean, he, he was a jump master. So he taught, he taught Rangers to jump. That's actually how he met my mom. My mom was uh, in the armed forces as well. She took, she was a photographer on jumps. And so she was on the, the planes with him taking the pictures uh, and jumping too, or just jumping, on the, jumping oh, okay, as so well. yeah. taking pictures as she was going. So your parents are pretty like type A personality people. Yeah, it's probably why they didn't work out. <laughs> oh, oh, they split up. Okay, yeah, they um, split up when I was super young. I, my they both remarried. My step parents are awesome, so it was probably for the best. <laughs> do you, but did that make you feel pressure? Like, okay, or is that just in your DNA? Or like, I always wonder when someone grows up with parents that are both active or both really like kind of doers. Does that make you feel a pressure to do it? Uh, I don't know if I ever felt a pressure to do it. I just wanted to, you know, I was never like, I need to do it because they do it. It's just like, I feel like I've always wanted to. I had four brothers and a sister growing up. My sister played college soccer. One of my brothers plays college lacrosse. Like we just grew up in a super athletic and like be doers type family. So, uh, I just feel like it came naturally. It wasn't anything that I had to force or, or felt like I had to do it. It's just something I wanted to do. Oh, okay. Uh, and how do they feel about you fighting? They must be happy. Well, uh, at first they weren't as happy, right? Like I didn't tell anyone when I took my first amateur fight, I didn't tell anyone. I posted a picture, I think on my social media of like a face off. And my dad called me. He's like, Hey, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, Oh, I'm in Ohio right now. He's like, yeah, but what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm fighting this dude tonight. And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna get in a fist fight. And, uh, they were kind of like, bro, you went to college. Like you have degrees, you have a lot of options you could do. Why are you doing this? And they're like, how much are you getting paid? And as an amateur, I'm like, well, I made zero dollars. They're like, you're going to go fight this dude for free. That's going to be your life. And then like, when you tell them like, well, I'm going to make it to the UFC. It's kind of like when you're a little kid and you're like, I'm going to be an NFL player. And they're yeah, like, no, you're not. What's your backup yeah. plan? And you're like, yeah, what's your backup plan? I'm, like, I'm be an NBA player. So like, uh, it definitely was a little bit of that. Uh, for a while, but then when I made it, you know, they're all on board. They're my biggest fans. So uh, it definitely was some hesitation at first. Now your wife's a fighter and she was a finalist on the ultimate fighter. Now, did you meet her through training or? Yeah. So funny story. I, I used to coach college wrestling and I would go up to the gym in the morning and just hit the bag uh, that she, she was at. And I was terrible. I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I was just a wrestler. Uh, she came up to me one time. She's like, you know, you're not very good at this. Uh, you don't know what you're doing. And in my mind, I'm like, I didn't know who she was. I was like, you're a 115 pound girl. What the hell do you know? Like, I'd probably kick your ass. And then I figured out who she was. And she was, uh, she comes from a boxing background. So she became like my first kind of coach. And uh, she would always say, she's like, you're going to make it big. And when you do, you're going to owe me 2%. And then I married her and now she takes everything. So <laughs> it worked out. yeah, it worked out pretty well for her, I think. <laughs> Yeah, that's what happens when you get married. You just you, you forget having anything that is yours. For real. And then you have kids and it's even more, right? Like, <laughs> I don't have anything that's mine. <laughs> what were your degrees in? What did you go to college for? Uh, so I was a triple major in uh, secondary education, history, and English. Now, is secondary education, what is that? High, is that? Is that High school. So did you want to be a teacher? Yeah, I was going to be a teacher and a, and a coach. Uh, I don't know how much I wanted to be a teacher, uh, I always wanted to be a coach and, uh, you know, education, uh, wasn't a super difficult degree. Uh, I'll say like it was fun and I enjoyed it. Uh, but I didn't feel like I had to, like, I was wrestling in college. So I felt like I could balance pretty well. Um, and like I said, I wanted to coach anyway. So I was like, this is the way I'm going to get into that field. Uh, and then I found fighting and was like, okay, I'm going to do this, <laughs> which is maybe like the opposite of teaching. So, uh, it, it worked out. <laughs> 
What do you think makes somebody a good coach? Like to you, what makes somebody a coach that you, because everyone responds differently to being either yelled at or talked to a certain way. What, what, what do you think makes someone a good coach? Uh, some things I think make a really good coach are like uh, my coach, for instance, you know, he's on the mat with us every day. He would never ask me to do something that he's not willing to do. So like if he asked me to do something, I know he's he's done it or he's doing it. Like if we have a team run, he's running on the team run. If we have a team lift, he's lifting with the team. If we're rolling jujitsu, he's rolling. So I feel like uh, just kind of being in the trenches with your guys, you earn a lot of respect. And then I also think, you know, realizing that the sport is very important. Having success in the sport is important, but kind of trying to shape people for life and set people up to be good people. Um, you know, you'll get good athletes if you have good people. So if you can put an emphasis on having good people who are genuine and are trying to leave a good legacy, I feel like that's huge to being a good coach. Right. That's big right there. That's a word. <laughs> I like you. Are you, you patient enough to be a good coach? Me? No, no, no. Uh, oh, okay. I already know you are. Uh, so when I was young, I used to coach, uh, nothing will test your patience, like, uh, coaching youth sports. And when right. I was in college, I would go back to, cause I went to college like an hour from where I grew up and I would go coach, uh, youth wrestling. And I think then it was tough, like, cause I was young and I, I think I maybe didn't have the most patience, but I think now I have a little bit more patience. And I also think it's like finding the, the group of people you're going to coach. Like some people are really good kids coaches. Like they're built to be really good kids coaches. I'm not, I'm not a great kids coach, but like, uh, like older guys, I do a really good job with like guys that I can kind of be a little tougher with, but also, you know, understand that and they can take that and deal with it. I feel like I do a better job with. Yeah. That's funny, man. Personally, like I got three daughters. I didn't start teaching the kids class until my kids were in the kids class. And now, yeah. you know, and now I'm, you know, um, I, I'm in there a bunch because, yeah, I guess you just know how to deal with kids better when you have kids. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, I feel like I could do kids now uh, since I have kids. Like I, I definitely feel like having kids grows your patience and yeah. just being older and uh, having a little bit more experience, I think definitely grows your patience. But when I was younger, it was tough for sure. How many kids do you have? I have one daughter and then another one on the way in July. Yeah. Oh, okay. And your daughter is how old? She just turned two in February. Oh wow! So it's gonna be—it's close. Two and yeah. uh, two and, and I guess one. So what? She should be like three, almost three years older. Yeah, like two and a half years older. So there'll be uh, my house will definitely be a, a little wild for a little bit, but it, it'll be good. I'm excited. You do it all. That's you do it close together. That way you don't have to go through that again. You know, my yeah, mom, exactly. 14, that's what my wife said. Yeah. That's what my wife said. She's like, I wanted to have a friend and I wanted to have somebody that's close enough in Asia. They can play and kind of grow up together, do some of the same shit. I'm like, yeah, okay. You're the one that has to carry her for nine months. So whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. And get all the diapers and stuff out of the way within like one block of time. Like you don't want to get out of it. And all of a sudden have to go back in a diaper. Like that just seems like it would suck. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely trying to, I think this will be our last talking but who knows like women are insane like they my wife she's the best i love her but she's like this is the last time i'm doing this i'm like well you're seven months pregnant so we'll see what you say in a year and a half <laughs> yeah would you be okay with another one or are you are you done with two i always tell my wife I'm like i want as many kids as we can afford so right now we're gonna be at negative two and then uh, <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see where we go from there yeah i've, I've always been I've, I've never been inclined to do it and Matt has three kids and it always just terrifies me. I just like, it's so much responsibility and like, I can't afford to lose my job because a kid won't eat. Like it just scares the shit out of me. 
Oh yeah, it's definitely uh definitely changes your perspective on like your priorities and things like that for sure. And and I I'm only 28, so I feel like pretty young to have kids, but uh I don't know, it, it's awesome. I always used to think it was so corny where like your life will never be the same and it's going to change everything for you. And I'm like, "Well, no, it won't." And then I had kids and I'm like, "Oh, you guys were right." <laughs> Yeah. For the better, though, it's it's always yeah, definitely for was, the better. Me too. I was afraid, like, oh man, am I gonna be able to get sleep? Am I gonna be grumpy all the time? Nah, man, I take naps. I have kids. I start, you know, it makes you know just more responsible. But yeah. man, is it, is it so much? It's so much fun. It really it's the is. best. Yeah, it really is the best. And like I said, I like the perspective that having kids has given me is like is the best thing I think that's ever happened to me. Honestly, yeah. Is your wife done fighting, or is she still fighting? Uh, I think, I think she's going to be done. Right. I, I don't want to say never. Cause my wife, like she might decide, okay, I'm coming back and training. She loves training. I, I know she'll never be done training. Right. Uh, she loves jujitsu. I think she'll, she'll definitely get back into maybe competing in some jujitsu, but fighting, I think it'd be really hard. You know, my, my one daughter, uh, my oldest has, uh, special needs and, uh, my wife actually went to school, went, not went to school, but went through a CNA program to be her full-time caretaker. So uh, I think she's kind of taken over that role and uh, she kills it. She's, she's awesome at it. I just don't, I just don't think she'll, she can commit to fighting like she wants to. Like oh. she's not a person that'll like, she could take some regional fights and beat girls on the regional scene for sure. But if she wants to fight again, I know her and it would be like, I want to get back to the UFC. And I don't feel like she thinks she can commit the time to do that. So I don't what, think she'll fight again. What, what does CNA stand for? I'm not familiar with that. Uh, certified nurse assistant. Oh wow! Okay, she took like real yeah. medical courses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, yeah, the time I guess you'd have to put in if you if you have more work than would be expected at home, the, the time you'd have to commit to full time fighting and the you know the possibility of being laid up with injuries is probably a lot. Yeah, for sure. I I feel like uh, it would it would be tough, and she knows what it takes to get to the highest level too. Like sometimes ignorance is bliss, and yeah. you think you're working really hard. Like she knows what it would take to get there, and I don't think she thinks she can do that that's also an advantage though like if she knows like if she didn't know she might go shit i could just do a little bit of this and get there but she knows like no this is like a real process like i i know that that would be a huge hill to climb maybe it's an advantage too that she knows it so she's not going to yeah. feel like i'm this close when she knows it would be a lot of work yeah for sure and i feel like uh in our sport is so high risk like you don't want to be like half ass in it and then get in there and because you'll know like when you hit the top step to get in the cage You'd be like, man, I didn't do what I needed to do to be successful. And that's like maybe the worst feeling you can have going into a fist fight with somebody. So uh, I think she's happy, though. I don't I don't think she like regrets like having kids or anything like that. I think she's uh, excited about where we're at. And uh, like I said, I think she'll get back to training. She loves training. It's good for her. It's good for her mental health and physical health and everything. I just think the time it would take to get back to where she wants sure. to fighting. She doesn't. It's not really doable. Does she uh, does she work your corner or no? No, she doesn't. She uh, she'll be out here for my fights. She was my corner. She was in my corner for my first uh, five fights as a pro and all my amateur fights. Uh, and then when I moved out to Colorado, uh, there was like a shift there because she was pregnant and it's just a lot of stress. And she still is a coach. Like she still goes over, watches film with me, uh, comes to all my sparring sessions, kind of helps me through all that stuff, and cooks all my meals. But uh, just in the corner, it's so high emotions. And when you really, you know how it is, like when it's my boys, I'm like, you gets hard to put on the coach's hat sometimes because the, the emotions, but, uh, with your wife or somebody that you're that close with, it's, it's really hard. So I think it's been better. 
Well, I was yeah. going to ask you if that's hard because Matt's wife has done some fighting, and I, I wonder: is it hard to watch your wife fight? Like you have to separate, like be a coach and be a husband. Uh, is is it harder to do? Honestly, uh, when Bobby was fighting, I felt like it was easier for me uh, to corner because I could. I wasn't as emotional because I could take put on the coach's hat, right? I didn't have to be. I, there was no time for me to be husband uh, and partner and friend. It was like, okay, we're this is a job. We got to make. We got to go to work, and then afterwards, I could be husband. But during, like, if I, I feel like one fight, I wasn't in her corner, and it was really, it was like really tough. But when I'm in her corner, I'm kind of locked in on, on the job. You're looking at the business end of it as opposed to watching it. Yeah, I imagine that. Yeah, you, you, for sure. Yeah, it's like when a tragedy happens, people can kind of go through doing what they have to do, and then a month later, they feel awful. Yeah, for sure. I feel like it's All definitely right. similar to that. Yeah. Let me ask you because I know you're gonna be getting out of here soon. You got to you know, you got a fight coming up. Uh, you and the wifey. What do you want? What are you streaming? Anything you want? Me and my wife are watching Yellowstone. I highly oh, recommend yeah. it. We just got done with season two. Holy fuck, Jimmy. I wish you watched. I, I, I'm going to spoil shit for you. But wow. <laughs> I love Rip. Rip is a motherfucker. What a badass. But anyway. You're like uh, Rip, bro. You're, you are Rip. You're the New York Rip, bro. You like Rip? You know you watch the show? You watch? <laughs> yeah, I watched it. Yeah, I watched, I watched all of it. I love it. It's a oh, great Rip's show. A, Rip's a badass, that Rip. I yeah. like Rip. You yeah, know? I bet you would. Like I got that, bro. You're the New York Rip. <laughs> I'm too short and bald. He's a good, good-looking cowboy. I, you know, I don't think I could really do the. I'd be like my cousin Vinny in that thing. I, I wouldn't. I'd be on a fucking. I, I'd put me on like a little mule. But what a show, huh? You watch it? Yeah, yeah, really good show. Me and my wife, big fans of of Yellowstone. Uh, we're right now. What are we streaming right now? I think uh, we. She she started Prison Break, a old, like the old show. My yeah, wife, she used to like that too. That's interesting. They did, they do, they keep bringing that up again. That's that's yeah. funny. How old is that show? Because I've heard of it. Oh, uh, it's probably 15 years old. Like, oh, it's, it's okay. Yeah. They brought it yeah. back. They brought it yeah. back. The fucking thing. Yeah, you know? so we're, we're, we're streaming that. And yeah, there's a we, we do a lot of watching. Oh, and Miss Rachel. I got a toddler, so we, we stream Miss Rachel quite a bit. <laughs> what is it called? What show? It's called, it's called Miss Rachel. It's like a little kid show. Oh, um, there you go. Yeah. That's Shit, that's man. all that's out in my house more than anything, bro. Like like you said, nothing can be yours. <laughs> Miss Rachel's in on in my house more than more hey, than anything. After one of my fights, I went to a show and I don't know if you ever heard of this thing. It was on back in the day called Yo Gabba Gabba. So oh, I went, yeah. I went to the city and I still have some of the fucking scars and I had all stitches on my face and I'm in there, yo gabba gabba, yeah. <laughs> I'm in a fucking the kid, little kids are looking at me like I'm a monster. Nah. <laughs> anyway, it's fun. Yeah. Cody, look, it was great getting to know you. Uh, good luck on Saturday, man, and, and come back and talk to us again uh, against Hadolfo Vieira. It's a great fight this Saturday. I think you guys are third up. I could be incorrect. I'll have to go back. Am I, am I correct? Yeah, I think, I think we're the third fight on the main card. That's great. Um, yeah. Good visibility, too, ESPN. Uh, ESPN. But, you know, it's, so it's, it's always better to, I think, be on. Uh, everyone likes the pay-per-views, but I always think that more people can see you on these cards. Shit. Yeah, for sure. Definitely on the come up, especially, you know, you want people to kind of get behind you. Well, good luck on Saturday, man. It was great talking to you and we'll talk to you again. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. Appreciate you. All right, buddy. Anytime. Thank you. Cody. Care, the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Ah, perfect timing. Tom Arnold is in the waiting room. I haven't seen Tom in a while. Dude. Now, he was a stand-up before he met Roseanne, right? You know, I don't know if he did stand-up. It's funny. I, I do not know if he did stand-up or not. Well, we're going to find out. I should know that because I really like him. Yeah, man. Shit. Very honest and interesting guy. I'm leaving. Um, did he do stand-up? I, I, I probably... Oh, yeah, I've done stand-up with him. Uh, I just don't know when he started. It was uh, in Montreal. We've done it together on festivals. Yeah, I, I, Tom does right. do. But I didn't know if he started as a stand-up. Well, we'll ask. Oh, man, this guy, don't, this guy don't age, though. He looks no, he looks great. He looks like he's in the first True Lies right there. What's oh, up, Tom? He's, um, he's watching I was in the first two lives, damn it. I, I know you were. I seen it as a I was in, I was there as a kid. Hey, you look great. First of all, nice to meet you, Tom. I do. Thank you. It's great to meet you too. I'm a big fan of both of you guys. You know, Jim there, that's my sister Sasha. She's like she's a comedian. She's Hello. like please tell please tell no, Jim Dorton, I love him. Oh, oh shit. Thank you very much. Yeah. You're very sweet. You Appreciate it. Very hard. Look at that. I got the Carrie Lake uh, uh thing on where you can't really tell. It it makes me look younger somehow oh uh, you look great now you you look good you've you've uh yeah you've, you've come along very well which is nice talk yeah. about your nails because you oh yeah my nails oh my nails my daughter's seven we got our nails uh, oh wow oh, that's great they're, they're expensive so i'm not getting them off they're the gels which i didn't know what they were but i'm not they cost a lot <laughs> i'm keeping them until they come off like it's an investment now can you I take look, them off or no you can it take it's a little bit of work and uh, I'm told, and so it'll be um, two week, we two once a month we do dad daughter night, and we do dad son nights. It seems like a lot, but uh, and then we do whatever she wants to do. So far, I've never said yes, and, but I, they are. I thought they're regular nails, like the ones she puts on me. But they, it takes a lot of work. You have to be in like a ultraviolet light, and then a back. And I thought they were just drying my nails so I could reach in my pocket and pay them, because that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. But uh, no, they're they're they'll be here for a little bit. I did the same thing when my daughters were a little younger. I did it on my feet, but you yeah. know, I figured I could cover it up, and I think you could take it off with the nail polish remover. That don't come off easy at all. And I teach jujitsu, oh. so sure, mine were out there for everybody to see too. And yeah, yeah what what's bad is when you're older. I'm 64. My kids are 10 and seven. And you'll forget, like, she'll put makeup on me in a room and have a thing in my hair. And I'll think, oh, that's cute. And then I'll go about my day and forget. And then I'll be outside talking to the neighbor. And they're looking at me like, what the? They don't say anything. Either. They don't acknowledge. You got it. You, you know, they probably think show business. Who knows? So yeah. I mean, when show business, you can kind of do anything weird. And people are like, oh, that's just what those people do. There's nothing you're going to do to shock people when they know. 
And Matt yeah. was asking before Tom, did you, I know you do stand up, but did you start as a stand up? I did. I did. I started as a stand up 40 years, 40, a little over 40 years ago. I, my whole goal, I grew up in Ottumwa, Iowa. It's a small town. I worked on the kill floor of a meatpacking plant for three years to save money to get to the University of Iowa, which I, only because I knew they had a stage there. And I thought, mm. I'll get on this union uh, wheel room stage once, and then I'll be on Letterman in like six months, which is crazy. But I just wanted, my goal was to be, uh, you know, but when I grew up, we had a single dad. And the only time we ever heard him really laugh hard was when there was a Bob Hope special on. And I remember thinking, Whatever it is that Bob Hope does, I, that's what I'm going to do because I want my dad to laugh that hard at me. And, and one of the first things that happened when I moved to Hollywood is a Bob Hope special. Like Roseanne and I did, I forget, uh, a Bob Hope special. And I, he called my dad. He, he wrote, he signed all his books. He did all this stuff. And then ah. I thought, okay, that's it. That was my call. I just, I really also thought if I get on TV one time, the people in my hometown would like me. And it turns out that's absolutely not true. No. It's absolutely not true. No, they dislike you more almost, like, and, and I mean by any of us, because they didn't yeah. like me before, and now I'm on TV, and they're like, oh, we, we, we didn't like you before, and we hate that you're doing well. Yeah, yeah, there are those people. Yeah, I have four ex-wives. I know, what those, I know those people that turn on you. <laughs> are, are you friends with them? With my ex-wives? Yeah, I, I stay friends with most of my exes except for wife, girlfriend, not ex-wives, but only one I don't talk to. Well, I, I, I'm not. People always say, are you still friends with Roseanne? I go, well, if we could be friends, what would we be? We'd be freaking married, man. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's been my experience that, uh, you know, I've always also been grateful when they got moved on with their life. They got, like, my first three wives immediately met uh, guys, got married, had babies. Like, I was like, okay, that's done. Because my thinking, just the way I am, I'm like, well, it, it got really terrible, but uh, there's still a chance I'll go back. So hopefully they'll get together with somebody. And, my, and Roseanne got together with a bodyguard I'd hired, great big guy, and I'd sent him to Mossad body, bodyguard school. So when he and her started being a couple, I had to pretend a little bit like, you know, I'm going to have to pretend I'm going to throw down. This guy is with my woman. Uh, yeah. and, uh, but I will say this. He was scared of me. Like he, she probably, he, he thought, uh, and I, I'll tell you the real long story short. I got a call for the National Choir. They're like, Roseanne and Ben are holding hands in Sardinia, walking around. And I was supposed to meet Roseanne in Sardinia, uh, wait to spend the summer a couple weeks later. And I, and I, so I said to my brother, let's get on a plane. We got to see this. So we fly over there. And we landed Rome, and they're like, you better get a bodyguard because it's some wild west up there. I go, okay, so I got one off-duty cop, a captain, the Rome Police Department. He has a gun. Okay, we, we landed Sardinia, and our car gets surrounded by three cars and guys with Uzis. And they're like, she wants to see you now. So I was like, okay, we're going to do this thing. And we go up and have this beautiful place right over the ocean, beautiful. And she's up there with Ben. And, uh, and the guy for the choir, of course, followed and has all the pictures. But... I, I, I said to her, are you and Ben fucking, you know, and she wouldn't make eye contact. She was like, no, but I knew they were. And I felt such a sense of relief. But then there's Ben, dumbass Ben standing there. So I had to do a, you know, come back. And it, it, I did scare him for a second, but I also would have been killed by the, but it was a relief because I was like, oh, now she has moved on. She's got somebody. I don't have to do the, the back and forth. And then, so the guy from Rome, the cop from Rome's like, you know, in our society, women do not do that to men. They don't, you know, we, you know, we, 
we could do something like they're very machismo. I go, yeah. I don't to do anything to her. I go, what would you do? Well, we do something to him. When he landed in Rome to go back to America, we plant drugs on him and he'd be in prison the rest of his life. And I was like, no, no. Then I would get back with her. Well, and my brother goes, well, what will you do for $10,000? And pulled out $10,000. And so when they landed on the way back to Rome, and there's pictures, uh, the eight cops swarmed him and tackled him and gave a full body cavity search and they missed their plate. Because I said, don't touch her, don't touch her. And uh, so that was satisfying in a sure. horrible That's way. Wild. Yeah. That's wild. Man. Holy shit! That's something out of True Lies. That's like a fucking. That's that's like a. a, a that that's a wild story. Yeah. Hey, now let me ask you something. Yes. You get when your agent called you to be like, look, remember that show you, you know that movie you did thirty years ago? Yeah. Is it a weird phone call? Like yeah. remember True Lies that we did twenty nine years ago, which by the way yeah. was awesome at the time. I seen that. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. That was one of those back. I don't feel we have a lot of those. That big budget. Wow, Arnold fucking. Spy movie yeah. with him, Jamie Lee Curtis, you being the best friend. That was yeah. a great movie. And it was fun. They let uh, Jim Cameron, who's done some things, who directed yeah. it and wrote it, yeah. you know, he let the – it was great because I got to be – the hero was Arnold Schwarzenegger, as always. But he suddenly had flaws. And my character, who's very flawed, was so excited that he was down to my level, which yes. is, uh, you know, which is a real friendship when a guy – you know, before we start filming, Jim Cameron's like, hey, would you like Arnold to come over to your house and, and trade with you in your unused home gym? And I'm like, yeah, I would like, I think I would like the greatest bodybuilder of all time to come to my home and work out with me. And so he showed up at, at 6 a.m. and I answered the door. And I'm like, shit, Arnold, I forgot you were coming. Everyone I've ever met is here. Our guys, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's at my house. And so we trained. And then that, that after, afternoon, Jim Cameron called me and said, what time do you want Arnold back tomorrow? And I said, I don't. I don't want him back tomorrow. And she said, he said, why? I said, number one, I can say I worked out with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Number two, the pressure of the, working out with this guy. He, This guy knows more about the human body than any human. I mean, that's argu arguably true. And he looks at you while you're working out with him. But oh. he does your body. And he, and he has to give you one compliment. He does this to everybody. He's like, Tom, you have a fantastic right shin and then he starts <laughs> in on your trouble spots because he wants to help i got a lot of trouble spots and i didn't want him to help so but it, as we did the movie it was supposed to be a three month movie it, yeah. it ended up being a seven month movie jim cameron's cool. movies did and every night uh, uh, our trailers were next to each other arnold had a semi truck retrofitted into a gym a huge semi so uh he would go left to his Jim and I'd go right to Ben and Jerry's. That's not even a joke. Like we'd be and you'd go our ways, and he'd be like, "You want to work out?" No, 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 no. But then one night after the movie, we were our fourth or fifth month. It started getting to Arnold, and uh, he's like, I, "We get out after work, and I'm like, hey, enjoy your workout.'" He's like, "No, give me two pints of rum raisin." And from that point on, he started eating ice cream with me, and he gained weight, and he got like depressed. And I thought that this is a true friendship. There's no way he was pulling me up. To his, I believe. That's right. I could pull this fucker down, and that was a good feeling. That's funny. One, one of the, 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 the best bodybuilders in history, and after a couple of months with you, he's like, fuck lifting weights. I'm going to eat ice yeah. cream until I'm depressed. Yeah. Dude, and I didn't know this, Tom. I, you had, they said you had a stroke in 2022. I had no idea. Are you, first of all, are you, are you all right? I, I am all right. I had a, a, a mini stroke. I was giving the kids a, a bath, and... I always do. It's it's hard to get them in the bathtub. It's harder to get them out of the bathtub. And, you know, we're trying to 
time crunch at night. And so I do a thing where I go in there, I turn my uh, face around, and I count to 10 at the bathroom door. Whoever jumps up first wins. Yeah. And this time when I went back around, it felt like a curtain came down in my right eye. Like I could see it come down, and I couldn't. I was blind. And so I kind of, you know, I got the kids all situated, and yeah, I got them in bed. Half of my vision came back, the other half, before I went to bed. And I was... The next day, I was supposed to go to Alaska to film something, and I actually thought, you know what, uh, uh, I'll, I'll deal with this in Alaska. You know, it's probably a floater or whatever. I got on Google, of course, and I and then I thought, well, you know, that's I'll stop by my doctor on the way, and they do these tests and they shoot some a dye in you, and you could go through all the veins in your eyeballs, and they're like, uh, you had a stroke. I'm like, oh, you got to be shitting me. That uh, you don't want to hear that. And they're like, you got to go into UCLA for a 24-hour stroke protocol. And as I was sitting there, I was laying there. That You go in through the emergency room, and I'm laying there. And they have a list of 10 strokes, 1 through 10, each one getting worse. And they say, what number did you have? And I said, I, I, I had number one, thank God. Because, you know, you get to number seven, and you are, like, just totally fucked. It's like being on the hot ones. You, you think you're going to eat all the hot sauce. But you get to number seven, and you're like, fuck. This, yeah. I am fucked. What's so, the worst? Like a brainstem stroke? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there, there's one. There's the one where you die. There's the one where you cannot move any part of your body. Yeah. There's and this stroke has a. a and I should know the exact name, but but it's not. I found out afterwards. They put me on blood thinners, and and, and I also then I was like, I got to lose some weight, and I was like, this is. There's no, you know, during COVID and with the kids and the homeschool. When the kids are the only people that see you with your shirt off, it's not a lot of pressure. Right. Oh, I got to do it. And so I started working with this guy, uh, 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 Charles uh, uh, D'Angelo, who I'd met at Arnold's, too. Anybody, anytime you meet somebody, get a lot of bodybuilder dudes there, usually with gold LeMay uh, uh, short that said uh, oiled up. And uh, I said, yeah, I'm ready. He'd been asked me, you want to start working with me? I go, okay, I'm ready. And I pictured it like I'm not – comfortable sweating in public like if i could do my private workouts or whatever and he does a zoom he's out of st louis every two weeks and he tells you exactly what to eat exactly when to eat it and how much cardio to do and before six months i'd lost 80 pounds i did not believe it was possible wow i said to him it's not possible i knew i was filming with arnold uh, in the summer true lies and i said would well, be nice to be to my original true lies weight and you know, I got below that, but it's, you know, something I'm also maintaining, you know, I do an hour of cardio a day, which is good for my head and, and uh, other things. And, and so, yeah, that's, that's, you know, very, I'm very lucky, but I also hear from people who are like, yeah, I had a stroke too. And I, I had a stroke, I'm like people I did not know that it had strokes that, that, you know, I'm friends with or whatever. And so it's, uh, it, it was scary. Uh, but fortunately I thought, well, there's something I could do proactively do to make sure this doesn't get worse and when they when you go to the hospital they check your brain your your brain everything to see if exactly how bad that stroke was and if it's a setup for a bigger one and, and knock on wood it wasn't so but you know I, I live my life like one day at a time you know i'm uh, i'm silver yep. and uh and and i think that's the best like is this gonna be the day and again my kids are so young what if today was the last day? I better think about that. I'm trying to make this a, a great day so they remember this day. So, you know, 
I'm sorry, Mr. Arnold. If today was the last day and it's an open casket, what would you do with your hands? Would you have them do something with your hands or leave it like that? Just would you leave it on your chest for everybody to see? Uh, my hands like this? Yes. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. Well, you know, I'm Jewish, so we get it. We There's not a lot of time before you're oh, No, you get 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I, uh, I'm going to be cremated, maybe with this, like have a party or, or something. But uh, I also feel like when you're dead, you're dead. And people are always like, well, will you regret this when you're dead? Uh, uh, no, I'll be dead. Uh, no. Oh. I'll be, I'll be dead. But, yeah, I would. they would have to, if I had an open casket, which I don't recommend, you know, they would, I would, they put a lot of makeup to make you look like you're, you know, I know they did with my dad. I'm like, what the, what happened? Not, not, not to get, not to get too deep. When you're dead, you're dead. There's no old man with a beard in the sky or anything. There's what no you- old man, but there is something. Uh-huh. And I feel it. And I, I, uh, people talk about heaven. I, I think this is heaven right now where we are. This is what we got to make the best of. It could be hell and it could be heaven. It's really up to us. You know, circumstances are horrible and sometimes but i there's no guarantee i'm not a uh you know the first of all jews don't believe in hell which is great sure i don't believe there's a old man uh in in the sky i but i do feel there's something that i've that i've talked to that i've said said you better get your shit together there's some voice that you know you have a chance if you do this and and uh it's always been a positive force in the in the universe and i'm well aware i did not create this everything i didn't create that dog i spent two hundred dollars getting it at legoland so i tried to win it but but uh, you know there's there's a a lot i think when you have kids too you look at them like oh yeah there's something much bigger than me did you come out of it with a lot of gratitude when you realized like okay it was a very small stroke i'm gonna be okay i'm gonna live do you look at that like fuck man i should really i i'm very grateful that happened or i'm grateful like that i'm still here and i can do things that i might not have thought of doing yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been very grateful. And being somebody in uh, recovery who wasn't always in recovery, you know, I've had some some moments. You know, I was uh, 19 years sober. I got sober in 1989, and I was cocky about it. And I t- said to guys I sponsored, I because they were opioid uh, uh, heroin guys. I go, yeah, that wasn't my thing. I am alcohol, cocaine, and and I wrecked my motorcycle out of PCH, and I broke my back. And uh, I remember, uh, uh, I was very, first of all, I was very grateful. There, a woman had slammed on her brakes in front of me, and I had plenty of time. I was back, and so I was like, "This is okay. There's no right lane." And uh, so I started pumping my brakes, and I it wasn't working. I looked down. There's oil everywhere. I'm like, "Well, shit. Here we go." And and you guys probably know this. Everything slows down, and I thought, "I'm gonna turn my bike sideways." I had a big victory vision let it go under her car. I'm going to fly up over the car and land on my feet in front. And I just about did, but I clipped the, her hood and I, 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 I was on my back and all, you know, you do that thing where you're like, okay, my legs work. I'm fine. And I started to get up and pick up my mirror and so I could tell I'd broken something here. So that the ambulance came, I could hear the ambulance coming and the guy gets there and he's like, are you in pain? I said, yeah. And he goes, not anymore. And gave me a shot of fentanyl. And I remember thinking, oh, no, that's what I need. Yeah. That's the thing I've been looking for my whole life. And so a couple of years later, I was getting my 20th year cake. And I realized I'm still on pain medication. I am not sober. I'm going to eat this cake. But then I'm going to start over. Uh, wow. And, uh, okay. You know, 
Yeah. So, so you were taking it the whole time. From, how long was that from the accident to when you realized? About a year and a half. <laughs> wow. And you did you and convince your... They, they had to do a take because I'd taken so much. You know how it is. You're having 60 pills a day. because And they, they tried to step me down, and I ended up in a coma for three weeks. Uh, oh you know, because something burst inside of me. And which is a great way to lose weight, I have to say, too, because when yeah. you come to, they're like, this is what you look like. And then the unfortunate thing was I hurt myself so bad I had a wound, this big open wound that they had a wound vac on like they do, you know, in combat. And they had to let it heal. And I, and then I looked at it, I'm like, okay, I could deal with, with that. And then, and then they said one more thing. You have, they showed me I had a colostomy. I'm like, fuck. You got. I did that to myself, and they and they they're like, "Yeah, you're lucky because in 90 days you get this thing taken down." They call it. I'm like, "Oh, how many minutes is that till?" Yeah. A couple things I learned. I have a heart camp, Camp Del Corazon, for kids uh, with uh, heart defects and heart disease, the biggest one in America. And I started paying attention. There's kids that have had uh, acostomies their whole life, and they're swimming and killing it. And these kids are, they're, you know, I'm like, I can't be such a pussy about it. And also, they come out with some new, it was like Tupperware, where you bolt. I mean, it was kind of, so, uh, but I did get it at 90 days. I, I went in at about uh, 60 days, the, the doctor, and he's like, um, yeah, I told, I was bullshitting you when I said 90 days, because I thought you'd be too depressed. And, it, he, and I go, when can I get it? He goes, it showed me a picture of this wound, which every day a nurse had to come and debrief, which means cut the, the, the dead skin off. He goes, when it looks like this, and it was sort of purple, and I, t I said, I want to give me that picture. And I took it home, and I put it on my mirror, and every day I looked at that to get this wound. And literally at 90 days, I went in and had uh, this sealed up, which I had no love handles, like first time. Like, wow. And then they took the, the colostomy down. Uh, unfortunately, I got MRSA, and they it, my temperature started going up every day. And they're like, okay, we got bad news. We have to open you back up. Jesus. I go, I go, what about the colostomy? They're like, yeah, no, we don't need to do that. I go, whatever you got to do. So it was a period of three or four years where I had seven more surgeries because of this. I had the mesh wow. put in. I had the mesh removed. I had this, that. I had to work on my abs, start from scratch. And so that was all uh, a product of, you know, my my addiction. And so, you know, I, I'm definitely aware of that. Wow. Yeah. Pain medication scares me for that reason. And uh, whenever I get one, I, I've taken like half pills and thrown the rest out. Like I'm not a martyr if I'm in pain, but yeah, that's really scary. And uh, you're so honest that you, it bothered you that you were getting a cake and you wanted to be truthful about the, what you felt the time was. That's why I think you're a really honest guy. Tom. It was a big, obvious vote. The people I have a ton of respect for, there's people that have been sober a long time and then they come back and it's so humbling to go, I started at day one. I, I personally speak for myself. I got a lot of my self-esteem from being a part of the community and having a lot of time. Time, sober. yeah. And uh, you realize how much you get, and then to start over. But when people do that, like I go to meetings, the guys like, like my sponsor's got four years. He got arrested one time when he was eighteen. He never did drugs, or, uh, which is like, well, how does that even work? But when these people come in and they share, you know, how vulnerable they are, you also see how fucked up they are you know that starting from day one i mean um you know it's very helpful to me selfishly to go yeah i'm that yeah. guy i'm this guy that that is a very powerful thing
Tom, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. Say, speaking of being selfish, you, you're sober for how long? Next time I visit you, I'm not going to bring over a jar of weed. I'm sorry, man. You have that <laughs> you, I don't care. Listen, if I could have just smoked weed, I would still be smoking weed. But I remember trying it. I didn't even try pots when I was out of high school because we drank. And then the stoners did weed. In yeah. my account, you know, there's this and there's that. And then when I did try it, I'm like, yeah, I don't like that. But uh, and then I tried uh, Coke. And my sister was the biggest drug dealer in America. There's a documentary series about her called The Queen of Meth. My little oh. sister was the biggest drug dealer in America. It's a good series. You, I, I forget where, which, uh, Discovery Plus, but it's good. It goes through our whole childhood. Ah. And, and people were always like, were you embarrassed that your sister was a drug dealer? And I say, not when I was doing drugs, I wasn't. It was handy because she'd come over. She had a big leather purse with her gun and her drugs in it. And the other, by, you know, there, there were some kids in my family, and we'd be at the Thanksgiving table, and she'd kind of do that, like, towards the garage. We'd all get up, go out in the garage, get in a circle, you know, and it, Thanksgiving can be cold in Iowa, but get in a circle, and she'd say, what do you want? And I'd say, what do you got? And she'd say, everything. And I'd say, that's, that's what I want. I want everything. Yeah, a little bit of everything. Yeah. Tom, what are you promoting to? Before we wrap up, I want to promote what you're promoting. Is yeah, it the uh, tonight? When is this? Is this uh, today? Today, yeah. Okay, tonight I'm on True Lies, the CBS series. Uh, uh, they wrote a great role for me that is, it, you, you know, answers a lot of questions about my character in the original. There's people playing my character, Omar Miller, who's great, playing Arnold and Jamie Lee's, but they did a great job. Jim Cameron produced it, so that's tonight. And then the, uh, May 13th, Arnold has his sort of True Lies uh, series coming out, FUBAR, on Netflix. And I, I did something there, too. So uh, those are the things. Cool. Tom, you, you're, you're really one of the most interesting guys I know. You're always uh, truthful and always go in depth. So I, I really appreciate it. What is your assistant's name? Sasha Boggs. Sasha Sasha, Boggs. Tell Sasha thank you very much. Uh, it, it's always whenever you get a nice compliment from another comic, it always is, is very, very nice. So tell her I appreciate it. Oh, so my, yes. my son wants to know if I get some UFC Prime. You know, they had a UFC special, uh, uh, you know, I mean, he's uh, very into this Prime drink. So sure. he's like, he talked to those guys for the UFC because they had a, a Prime, which is uh, uh, yeah. uh, hydration or energy. And he wants to get the UFC version. So if you know anybody, let me know, and I'll pay for it. We'll talk to Adam. I'll ask him. I, I don't know what UFC Prime. I've never drank it, but uh, we'll definitely ask. Uh, we'll ask uh, Adam as soon as we get cool. off. Kids love it because it's cool. Like Prime <laughs> is uh, clout. Having these bottles, it's crazy with these kids. We'll get you right. some clout with the kids. <laughs> nice yeah. to meet you, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Good talking to you, and uh, I'm happy you're well, man. You look great. Thank you. Big fans of both of you guys. Thank you. All right. It's mutual. Take care, pal. Talk to you soon. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? 
Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Yeah, he's great. Tom Arnold is such a Artist. fucking fun, open guy to talk to. He's one of my favorite people. You can he talks for hours about interesting shit. Like I, I think he's terrific. Um, so yeah, check him out tonight, and don't forget to watch uh, the fight this Saturday night. Um, let me get the right time. I think it's four thirty for the prelims and um, seven for the main card. But I'm an idiot. I remembered it. ESPN two, ESPN plus, and the main card is on uh, ESPN plus. 7 p.m. Song versus Ricky Simone. That's wild fight, bro. It's a great fight, yeah. And um, I will talk to you this weekend, Matt. Hey, Jimmy, man, I'll be, I'll be, you know, I'll be traveling, but I'll talk to you. On oh, week. have a safe flight. I'm going to be off on next week's show, the first okay. show on Monday, but uh, I'll be back for our second show. And yes, please come see me tonight, 7 p.m. at the Fat Black Pussycat. If it's not sold out, all tickets have been selling out here in New York. And if you're in Manchester, England. Hmm. 29th and 30th for the love of MMA. Myself, St. Pierre, uh, Anderson Silva, Vita Belfort, Quentin Jackson, Kenny Florian. Wow. Everyone. A lot of, a lot of real legends. A bunch of OGs. Be like that That's great, you. buddy. Thank you, Jimmy. Goodbye, Matt, everybody. Have a safe flight. Talk to you soon, bud. Bye, Jimmy. Bye, guys. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.